to talk about uh, water baptism. I know we've got a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. and uh, All year we have been talking about uh, the supernatural. And, you know, when I, when I, started, when I pr- started preparing for this a couple weeks ago, as, as I knew we were going to do the baptism, and I always like to teach on it, um, just, just so you have an understanding. Uh, man, I tell you, that message BJ preached last week about, uh, uh, about you know, where are you getting your information from? That, that, just really, that just really challenged me about some things. Because even about, you know, because I was talking to the Lord this week, and I was like, Lord, you know, uh, I was like, you know, we'll just take a break here from the supernatural and talk about baptism for one day, and we'll do communion and, and everything. And He stopped me right there in my tracks, and He asked this question. He said, he said, do you don't, he said, don't you think that baptism, he said, do you think that baptism is not supernatural? And I stopped and thought about it for a moment. And, you know, I've never, and, and to be honest with you, till this week, I've never looked at baptism like I looked at it this week because I'd always looked at baptism as just something that we were just supposed to do, you know, that something we were supposed to do right, you know, after we got born again and, and it was just, you know, we dunked in water and, and come out, and I and I always knew that baptism. We always hear it said that baptism is an outward expression of an inward work, and and it was showing the world that you know that that you're following Jesus, and and you know, and I always kind of understood that. I always had that in the back of my mind, but I never, to be honest with you, I never looked at it from a supernatural point of view, and you know, and of course the way we're the way we've defined the supernatural is we've defined it from the standpoint of any time that you get God involved in something, it becomes supernatural. And with baptism, here's, here's the way God kind of presented baptism to me this week. And, uh, and, and we'll look at this, we'll get to the Scripture. But, but He looked at it, or, you know, from the standpoint, He showed it to me from the standpoint of, it's not just, um, it's not just something that you do, if you, now, it is something that, you know, it is something, sometimes, you know, Katie gave her testimony about, you know, being baptized young. And there's, you know, there's, there's whole denominations that, that sprinkle instead of, you know, immersion. And there's, there's people that just pour water on, on people. And, and there's all kinds of different beliefs in that. But if you study the Word, one thing that you find is this. When you go through the book of Acts, especially the New Testament church, the start of the New Testament church, you will not find you will not find one time where they talk about somebody being born again that they didn't immediately take them and baptize them. They didn't wait a week. They didn't wait a month. They didn't wait six months. I mean, as soon as they got born again, they were baptized. Now you know, and and there's scriptures and people. Some people, some people, some people actually teach that that baptism is required for salvation. I don't believe that. I I believe that baptism is something. Um, you know, subsequent to salvation, it's not. You know, if you're not, if you get born again and and you're not uh, baptized and you die, then you know you're still going to heaven. It's not. It's not required for salvation. But I, I do believe it is a huge part when we mix our faith with what God, with God's intent and purpose on baptism. And hopefully this morning I'll be able to show you that that you'll that you'll start realizing the power in salvation or in in uh, in water baptism. Because here's the thing, um, so many people, like I said, just got baptized and didn't didn't even realize what it was, or have an understanding of it, and that's the reason that, that we say, and, and every time we do a baptism, we always we always open it up to say, look, it's not just for new converts. Maybe maybe you got born again years ago and got water baptized, and and you know, but but here in the last five years, the last year, the last six months, or something, you know, you've really turned your life. You've really, you've really started serving God harder than you ever have, and and you know, man, you're after Him with everything about you, and and you just want to, you you just want to make that declaration again to the world that hey, this this is what this is what's going on in my life, you know, because the Bible no, never says uh, that just to be baptized one time and that's only, you know, that's only it. Now, not that you have to be rebaptized. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying sometimes sometimes you get to that point in life. Where you just say, you know what? I just need that fresh anointing. I need that fresh man. I'm I'm just going to declare this one more time, you know. And and you'll see what I'm talking about here. So let's let's look at the purpose of baptism, and and what the word says about it. And then and then we're gonna uh, we'll turn to. I've got about five or six scriptures, so we'll have to go quick this morning to get this in. So y'all listen fast, okay? Um, Hebrews chapter six, verse one and two. 
here Paul is telling the, the church in uh, the Hebrew church, and he says this, or the, the church here, the, the letter that he's writing to the Hebrews. He says this, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms. Now notice that that's plural. The doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So, so what he was saying there was this. He said that those things are foundational and they should be understood from a very early standpoint. In other words, if you look at the, the things he said, he said, he said that repentance... He's, he, when he's talking about the foundation, he said, let us move on from the foundation, not laying again the foundation, but he said, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptism, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So there was five things there that he said that should be a, you should have a grip on, a, a, a good foundation of. You know, repentance, the repentance from dead works. We, we could say it this way, uh, there's a lot to that, but we could say it this way that, that the first thing that, you know, that we have to understand is that salvation comes first. The, the message that Paul, or that John preached, when, when John uh, came on the scene, what was the message he preached? Repent, for the, kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God has come. When Jesus came, what was the message? BJ, I think, I think you mentioned this in your sermon. When Jesus came, what was his message? Repent. For the you know the kingdom of God has come. So so you see here that repentance is the very first and foremost. Salvation is the thing that gets you into the kingdom. And as a matter of fact, we see we see here when he talks about the doctrine of baptisms. There's actually three different baptisms uh, in this in the Word, and there's three different types of baptisms that's referred to in the Word. And here's here's those. And I'm going to go over these real quick. Um, but the first one, the Bible relates salvation to baptism a lot. And as a matter of fact, just turn to these scriptures real quick. Look at first, first Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, 13, verse 13. First Corinthians 12:13. Paul said this. He said, "For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free." And we have all been made to drink in one spirit. But notice what he said. He said, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. He's talking about salvation there. At salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. The, the Holy Spirit is the, the baptizer, and you are baptized. The, 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 the person receiving salvation is baptized into the body of Christ. He says, for by one Spirit we are baptized into one body. Another scripture that goes with that, look at Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we're just, and, and like I said, we could preach a long time on these, but I'm just laying the foundation here for where we're going to go. Galatians 3, 27. Paul said this to the church at Galatia. He said, Galatians 3, 27. He says, for as many of you as... For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There again, he's talking about, he's not talking about baptized with water. He's talking about baptized in salvation. Do, do you see that? He says, as many as you have, as have been baptized into Christ. We know as salvation, as salvation, we, we became a new creature in, in, on the inside. But really what happens to us from a from a from a spiritual standpoint is this we get put into Christ and Paul uses the Paul uses again and again he uses the terminology of baptism because what is baptism the word the word baptism comes from the word uh, comes from the Greek word bapto or baptizo is, is both two two different words it comes from but the word bapto is used four different times and it's it's a picture of taking a cloth and dipping it into a dye you know, like a different color dye. But here's the thing about it. Once you take that cloth and dip it into that dye and you bring it out, that cloth takes on the nature of that dye. In other words, once that dye gets in the cloth, you can't get it back out of it. It, it becomes the same, the same color, the same characteristics as that dye. So, so the word bapto, when he says you're baptized, 
He, he baptizes us into Christ at salvation, and then that, and what is in Christ is now in us. And we are in Him. We become just like Him. Amen. Now look at Colossians 2. Just a couple books over there. Colossians chapter 2. Same, the same principle here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. No, verse 12. I'm sorry. Colossians 2, 12. He says this, "...buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead." So here again, he uses he, he says that we are buried with Christ in baptism. And there again, he's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about the baptism of salvation. Now, don't get that mixed up in the fact that, that you know, there is such a thing as, as baptism of water. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Baptism is used as a symbol of salvation. We've looked at three different times here, and, and there's probably four or five more that we could show you. But time and time again, Paul uses the, the, the picture of baptism in salvation because it's the picture of that, that cloth going into a dye, and that dye becomes, becomes it, it takes, you know, the cloth takes on that dye on the inside of it, and now it becomes the same as that dye, the same color as that dye. The word baptizo is used a bunch more times. That word bapto is only used four times. The word baptizo is, is used most of the time when, when the word baptism is used, and it means this to dip completely. To drown, to drown, or to totally submerge. So it's not just it's not just a um, you know it's not just like you dip in water and come right back out. But the word baptizo means that you go completely under and you stay there until you're changed. In other words, you're totally submerged. There's, you know, there's no coming out. I heard, I heard one person put it like this. You know, he says, "I'll hold you under till, till I see the bubble stop, and then I'll pull you back up." That's that's really the picture of baptizo, the word that our our word baptism comes from. Now we understand that water baptism. That's the first type of the first picture that we see when he talks about the doctrine of baptisms is salvation. That's the scriptures I just gave you. It's the the Holy Spirit is baptizing us into. Christ. In other words, He's submerging us. The, the old man drowns and the new man comes out alive. You know, it's the picture we saw here in Colossians where it says, you're buried in baptism, but you're risen in resurrection. So in, in, the, in what happened to us at salvation is our old man, who, which was dead, our spirit man was dead to Christ, to, to God. When we got born again, the spirit man got reborn, born again, that's what that's you know that's where that terminology comes from. Our spirit man gets born again by the spirit, and now the spirit man's living on the inside of us. And Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "All things have passed; old things have passed away. All things become new." So what happened is we got buried with him in his resurrection, but or, we got buried with him in his death. But when he resur- when he was resurrected, we were raised again to new life with him. Now I want to show you that even more clearly in just a moment. But so the so remember I said the doctrine of baptisms. So the first one is that bat, the the word baptize or baptisms bat, bat, uh, baptizo is used for a picture of salvation. But the second one and really where we're focusing on today is water baptism, and that's another type of baptism that we see in the scripture. Uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Let's let's turn over to Matthew. This is the Great Commission. And this is uh, repeated again in, in Mark and, and uh, different, different uh, places. But here, this is Jesus Himself talking to the disciples. The last words He gives them before He goes and ascends to heaven. Jesus said this in, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen. He says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So here He is talking about water baptism. Like I said, you go through the book of Acts, when you study the book of Acts, every time that you see somebody being born again, then you'll see baptizing coming around after that. Think of Philip, when Philip went and met the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and, there, and, and he's, he comes up beside the chariot there, and he, he 
comes up beside him and, and the eunuch is in the chariot reading. And Philip says, hey, what's you reading? And, and he, says, he says, well, I'm reading this, this scroll. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And, and he said, well, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And Philip said, well, you want me to explain it to you? And he said, yes. And the Bible says he jumped in there and, and presented the gospel to him. Now, it's interesting because in the presentation of the gospel, something must have been mentioned about baptism. Because as he preached the gospel to the, to the Ethiopian eunuch, the, thing, the, the next verse says this. It says, the eunuch says, there's a body of water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, when we preach the gospel to people, now, I, I mean, I'm guilty of this, but how many of you talk about baptism when you present the gospel to people? Probably very few of us. But they did. Because every time, every time they talked about salvation, they talked about baptism. So here it says, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, notice Philip didn't say this. The eunuch, the guy that Philip had preached the gospel to, he says, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So evidently, Philip had said something about, you know, when you believe, then you're baptized and, you know, and that, there's power in that. So the eunuch said, what hinders me from being baptized? Time and time again, we see, you know, we see people being born again, and then we see baptisms right after that. So water baptism was a very important part of, of the early church. Now, that, you know, a lot of times that's where, that's where people get the doctrine that, that says, well, you have to be baptized to be saved. But that, you know, we know that that's not true from other teachings that Paul gives where he says that salvation is totally by faith through, by grace through faith and that, that it's our faith in Jesus, our believing what He did for us that salvation comes by. It has nothing to do with our works. So what part does, does water baptism play and why was it so important to the early church? And, and uh, this, this is where I want to focus on today. So the first one, the doctrine of baptisms, the plural baptisms, it was salvation. The second one was was water baptism. The third one, which I'm not even going to touch on today, I don't think, but we'll get to it probably in the next couple of weeks, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there, there's three different baptisms, very distinct, that's taught in the New Testament. Salvation, you know, baptism is used as a, as a symbol of salvation, of water baptism, and then also of baptism of the Holy Spirit. But turn with me to Romans chapter 6, and I want to show you how, how Paul described... Uh, what, how he described salvation, or I mean baptism, and he's relating it a lot to uh, to salvation here, to our experience of salvation. But here's what the here's what the Lord told me this week as I started studying this was that when you when you get God involved in anything, it becomes supernatural, right? I mean, we've looked at that and we've seen that. Well, when when we invite God to come into the water baptism experience. And, and we understand that it's an out, that water baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. But we have to understand that, that it was much more to them. You know, sometimes we, we forget about or we don't, uh, we don't think about the fact that, that the gospel was such a radical change to the people in that area when Paul and, and, the, and the disciples, when they, were, when they were preaching the gospel, people had, you know, people had never heard this before. Jesus was brand new to them. Now, he lived there, you know, and, and he, he, his ministry was three and a half years, and, and, and that was wonderful, and that was great. But that was, as they was going to some of these countries and some of these places, some of these cities, they had never heard the gospel. So, so when, they, when they gave their life to, to Jesus, when they gave their life to God, and they were baptized, they were declaring in front of the whole, in front of the world, in front of all their family, their their kin, you know, the whole town, that, you know what, I'm changing. I am totally leaving behind my old way of life, and now I'm following this new way of life. And, and there was no way to turn around from it. In other words, when they were baptized, when, when they went into that water and was baptized, saying, this is, this is the way I'm living now, everybody knew it. And it was more than just, it was more than just something they did. It actually, it actually, there was actually power in it because, because they had just given their life to God. I, here's, here's the way I see this as the Lord showed it to me this week. They gave their life, they gave their life to God. And you know, all of us, as we, you know, if you think back on your salvation experience, 
um, probably we would all say, uh, I, I know I would, I would say that, that, you know, looking back on it, I wish that I had, I wish that I had more information and I wish I had understood things better so that I could have lived my life more for God even after I gave my life to Him. You know, I was raised in a denominational church and, and a lot of what I was taught and a lot of what I heard was basically just a whole lot of salvation messages. And I didn't hear really a lot about how to live my life after salvation. And I just, you know, basically, basically the message was, well, you got your fire insurance now, live the best you can till Jesus comes. Good luck. Come to the altar every Sunday and repent, and we'll pray with you and cry with you, and, and you know, we'll all do it, just struggle and try and make it till next week. You know, that was kind of, the, that was kind of, now that was probably never said, but looking back on it, that was the, that was pretty much where I was. And if I had understood, if I had understood what I'm getting ready to preach to you about the power of baptism and the power of the, the symbolism of baptism and, and what it did and, and the power that it brought, the power that salvation brings. You see, because here, here's the reality of this. When I read this, when I read this to you guys, some of you, some of you probably won't believe this. And that's the truth. Because, see, some of you in here believe this. Some of you, some of you still have this mindset that you, that you cannot live your life without sinning. But you know what the Word says? And you, I'm getting ready to read it to you. The Bible says you're dead to sin. And if you're dead to sin, why, why are you letting sin reign in your body? In other words, what he's saying is this. If you give your life to Christ, you sh- sin should not be present in your life. That's why I said some of you don't believe that, because some of you are pretty good at sinning. <clears throat> I'm playing with you, but, but, that, but that is true. That a lot of people, are, a lot of Christians are pretty good at sinning, and they, they're a lot pretty good. They, you know, listen. It's a lot easier to believe that you that that you that you still sin, and you can sin and enjoy it, and then just repent of it, versus believing what the gospel says that you can live your life without sin, and you don't have to struggle with it. All right, I'm messing with y'all today, ain't I? All right, let's look at this. Now, Romans chapter five. Now, the book of Romans is an incredible book. Romans chapter 5, especially at the end of Romans 5, notice this, and we'll just read the last two verses. Uh, Romans 5, verse 20. Uh, he says this, Moreover, the, the law entered, that the offense might abound. He says, But where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, he, he said a lot in Romans 5 about that, but here's the, here's the point I want, I want you to see. What Paul was teaching was this. He says, he says, up to the point that you gave your life to Christ, sin reigned. But the moment you gave your life to Christ, you died. You were buried with Christ in His death. That's what happened when, when you gave your life to Christ. You were buried, symbolically, we're getting ready to see this. He uses baptism for this, but really what happened was your life, you, Jesus took your place, He died, so since He died, you died with Him. And when you died with Him, your old man died. And then when He was raised to new life, He said this, He said, when you were raised to new life, He says, now... Your life, now you have eternal life. He, he mentioned, B.J. preached on eternal life, you know, in his message, that now you have eternal life. Eternal, eternal life's not something for the future. It's what you have on the inside of you right now. And that's the reason that if you have eternal life living on the inside of you right now, you won't die. Now, this body may be laid down and may be put in a coffin and may be put in the ground. But you, the real you, will never die. Why? Because you have eternal life living on the inside of you right now. You'll just change bodies. You'll get your heavenly body, not your earthly body. Amen. 
You know, so, so now you have eternity living on the inside of you. You have eternal life. But now notice what he says. Let's go on and read some of this, and we'll, we'll, hopefully it will connect the dots for you. Romans chapter 6. So Paul said this. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now remember, he just said, he said, where, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Now, and remember, Paul didn't write this in chapters. This was one long letter. So, so there wasn't a break here. Paul, this was a continuation. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. He said, sin reigned until death, but now, now eternal life reigns through righteousness because of what Jesus did for you. He says, so, so what are we going to do? He said, are you going to keep on sinning so that you can get grace in your life? Now, how do you think he answers that? Verse 2, God forbid. In other words, we can put it another way real easy. No! Some translations even say that. He says, should we continue to sin just so we can get grace? And he said, no. God forbid that. Why? Now, pay it. this is so important. See, most people aren't taught this. And most people don't know this. That's the reason that they still struggle with sin. So he said this. He said, God forbid. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So if you die to sin, then how are you, why are you still living in sin? Verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Now, see the picture of baptism. What is baptism? Baptism, you enter into the water, and most of the time you sit. If you're in a lake or something, you're standing, but, but most of the time you're sitting there. And what people see, they see you sitting in water or in a body of water, whatever, whatever that body of water is. But in baptism, what is baptism? When we, when we baptize you, we say, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to Matthew 28, we saw that there. He said, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and we, we put you, you know, we baptize you or lay you back into the water just like they would lay somebody in a tomb. And, and we go all the way under. In other words, when people, you know, like if we had a clear glass, a clear glass where you could see the water, if you could see the people, when, when, they're, when they're baptized, when we put them under, their entire body is under the water. Right? So he, Paul said this. He said, that's what happened in, in salvation. Your old man got put into death like Jesus. In His death. He, Jesus took your death. He took you. He took your old nature and He baptized it into death. In other words, He took it all the way under and submerged it into death. Why would He do that? Because a dead man can't sin. You name the, you name the worst sinner. You, see the, you tell me the worst person that's lived the worst life, that's done the worst deeds that you could think of, and if that person died, then you know what? That person never sins again. Why? Because he's dead. So in salvation, you died. Your old nature died. And, and you're submerged just like in baptism. That old nature goes into the ground. And just like he said, just like Jesus was raised by the glory of God, by the power of God. We're raised by what though? Does that old nature come back out of the grave? No. He says, notice what he said here. He said, he said that we also should walk in the newness of life. So see, that old way is dead now. So that's the reason he keeps saying, 
Why, you know, if you're dead, why are you still sinning? Because now that you're raised, if you were buried with Christ, He didn't leave, He didn't leave Him in the grave, did He? So if we were buried with Christ, guess what? He also raised us up with Him. And when He raised us up with Him, He didn't bring our old man back up, but He put a new man on the inside of us. The newness of life on the end. He says, so therefore, since you're raised with Christ, now walk in that new man. Well, what's the difference between the new man and the old man? The old man was the nature of sin. The new man is righteous. Verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, so shall we also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this. Now, he keeps. He, this is the second time he told us to know something. Verse 3, he said, know ye not. In other words, he said, you should know this. Verse 6, he tells us again, know, know this. No, you've got to understand this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Did you see that? Notice it didn't say weakened or put away with temporarily. He says we were buried with Him in, in, the, in the death and burial of Jesus Christ. Why? So that the old nature of sin would be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, you realize this will get me kicked out of a whole bunch of churches this morning. And some of you may be wanting to kick me out right now. Because, see, here's, here's the reality of this. See, people, people don't like to, you know, a lot of times, now sometimes it's just ignorance, they've just never been taught. But a lot of times people don't like this teaching. Why? Because it takes away their excuse for sin. See, because some people like to sin and say, well, you know, brother, I'm just an old sinner. Saved by grace. I'm going to sin. I, I, I repent every night. I just I live. I try and do my best, but I just sin and then I just repent. Is that what Jesus said, or is that what Paul said happened? Do you think that's what? Do you think Jesus died so that you and I can just be a better sinner and hide it and get away with it? He said that we were buried in the death like Jesus was. Why? So that sin would be destroyed in our lives. Um, Paul, put, put that up in... Uh, uh, let's start in verse 1 from the message translation. I think, I, I believe, I, I don't have this written down, but I think this is pretty good from the message. Let me read it real quick. <clears throat> Chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. Now listen to this. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign or reigning, how can we live in our old house there? So in other words, if you lived, if you lived in, in... When we lived in Tulsa, or you know, we were living in Tulsa before we moved to South Carolina, if we moved, if we took all of our stuff and we moved from Tulsa to South Carolina, and we moved into a new house and put all our stuff in a new house, we're no longer living in that house in Tulsa. Now we're living here in South Carolina. And that's what he's saying. He said, if you left that country where sin was reigning, and you moved into a new house, you're not living over there anymore. Now let's go on. Verse 3. Or, didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace. Glory to God. A new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. Come on. Let's look at verse 4. When we are lowered into the water... It is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 5. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world.
by our Father so that we can see where we're going in the new grace sovereign country. Come on. See, we've left that old country. We've left sin behind. And see, and I believe, I believe what happened in salvation... Now, baptism is not, not required for salvation. You understand that. We, we've, we've established that. But I believe in, these early, in the early church, and I believe it can still happen for us today, is when we, when we say, you know what, this, when, I, when I'm baptized, this symbolizes what really happened to me. And when I go under, my old man is completely dead now. And when I'm raised up, I'm a totally new man. And if you put faith in that and you believe that, and you say, you know what, that is what happened in my life in salvation, and, and, and by this act of baptism, it's just further proof and further evidence that my life has changed. My old man is dead. I'm a new man. I'm righteous now. I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm living for God. I'm not living for the devil. And when I come up out of that water, I'm totally changed. And all, those, all that old stuff is left behind. All the new stuff is, is out in front of me. Now let's go on and read a few more verses here. Can you all take some more? Verse 6. Knowing this, so he tells us, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The Amplified says, for when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered, from the power of sin among men. And you might say, well, Pastor, I'm still struggling with sin. Well, it's because you don't know who you are. Your identity, listen, if, you've been, if, you've, if you have truly been born again, then that old man is dead and you're, just, you're, you're actually living out of a house that you don't live in any longer. You're trespassing. You need to get out of that old house and get back over into the new. Paul said, he said in one of those other others, he said, you know, you, you put on Christ. Let me read a couple more verses and I won't try and finish this up. We still got to do communion. Verse 8. Now if, we, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Oh, man, this is, just listen to this. This is so awesome. For in that he died, he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. Notice it's your choice whether sin reigns in your body or not. Paul didn't say, you know, struggle and really try your best. Paul said, don't let it. Why? Because you moved out of that house. You're living in a new house. Verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Glory to God. So baptism, water baptism... Is just another evidence. Yes, it's an outward expression of what happened on the inside of you. But there's so much power in it. When you get God involved in it, what you're telling the world is this. All my old stuff is dead. I'm leaving it in the water. I'm leaving it in the grave. I'm coming out a brand new person. That stuff has no power over me any longer. You know, if, you're being, if, if you've got a bunch of people being baptized, we only got one signed up right now. Jacob, boy, his he's life's transformed and, and it's going to, be, going to be even more so. But if you've if you got a whole bunch of people signed up, you might want to be the first one to, to get in there. You know why? Because all that old stuff's left in there. That's what he said. he said. He said all that old stuff's left in the grave. It's left in the water. And when you come out, you're clean. 
You know, listen, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. I, I wear a wedding ring. But you know what? This wedding ring right here, this wedding ring really, to be honest with you, it, it carries no power in it. It's not something that's magical. Whether, whether, I, whether I wear this on my finger or not, or whether I put it down and I, and I leave it over there, you know what? I'm still married. But how sad would it be? See, this wedding ring is a reminder, not only to me, but it should be a symbol to everybody that comes in contact with me. When, I, when somebody comes up to me, or, I, you know, or somebody comes up to me and, and, and they see this wedding ring, or, or I mean, I wouldn't do this, but, but if a single person goes up to somebody and sees it, well, I say single, but today, the, the way the world is, it wouldn't have to be that. <laughs> Lord. If a single person, if a single person goes up to somebody and sees a wedding ring, you know, it should immediately show them to say they're off limits. There's no need flirting with them. There's no need talking to them about a relationship, about trying to, trying to further, why? Because they're married. This is a symbol of something that, that is, that's going on in my life. Now, wouldn't it be something, wouldn't it be something if I never wore my wedding ring and I put it off on the side and I never wore it, I met somebody at a job. I worked at a job. I worked there. You know, we've been married 25 years. And I worked somewhere. And, I, you know, and I've worked there for 20 years. I work at a place for 20 years. And they've never seen me wear a wedding ring. I've never mentioned my wife. I never talk about my wife. I never talk about our relationship. They have no idea I'm married. And then one day, Stacy walks into, walks into the place. Maybe it's the first time she's ever been there for whatever reason, you know. After 25 years, 20 years of me working there, she finally walks in to see where I'm working. And she introduces herself and says, Hey, I'm Stacy. I'm Stephen's wife. And they look at her and say, He's married? Now, how do you think that would make her feel? And how would that make me look? Well, if you've been, listen, if you've been born again and you've been baptized, that old nature should have stayed in the grave. And if you're living your life and you've still got sin in your life, what you're saying is, this really doesn't, this really is not important. I wear it every day, but you know what, I, eh, I, I, I flirt with everybody and I, I, have, I have relationships outside my marriage and I do all this stuff and... This really don't mean much. Well, you don't have much respect for people that do that. Or I don't. Why? Because this means something. This is covenant. This costs something. And I'm not talking about money. You understand? I mean, it costs time. It costs, it costs you know, I mean, a lot. A relationship is important. It's valuable. Well, when we, when we are saved and we're baptized, that, that baptismal pool, listen, when you look at it like this, from this standpoint, that baptismal pool costs something. You know what it costs? It costs Jesus His life. And we treat it just like it's a, just like it's a pool of water, no power in it. But friend, I'm telling you, if you see baptism the right way, you understand, you understand the power behind it. When, you, when you've been baptized, when you go under that water, everything changes. And you come out, you're a new person. Now, that's already happened on the inside. At salvation, that already happened. But what you're doing, you're declaring to the world, this is what happened on the inside of me. So you see, so, so some, of you, some of you may may have, have done that a long time ago. You may have, you may have uh, been baptized as a child. You may have been baptized real young. Some of you may not have ever been baptized. Some of you, uh, you know, may have been sprinkled. Some of you, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things. But here's what I want to tell you. If, if, and, and like I said, you don't have to, you know, there's no shame in, in saying, man, I want to be baptized again. You know, there's no shame in that. If you want to be baptized again, man, you ain't doing nothing but shouting to the world, hey, I am a new creation. Amen. 
So I encourage you, man, if, if this stirred you up and this encouraged you and you say, man, I, you know, I just want to let the world know, I am a new creation. I, I am no longer serving sin. I am serve, I am a, uh, my, I'm going to use my instruments as instruments of righteousness and not of sin. Then, man, baptism is, is a powerful tool that when you believe, I, I remember the story, you remember the story Josh Hollingsworth told of when he was baptized? And he said, you know, man, if I'm, if I, if I remember his story right, but when he, you know, he got saved, and they told him they, they were having a baptism that day. They said, well, hey, we're having a baptism. Go ahead and get baptized. He didn't know nothing about it. But he, he jumped, when they baptized him, he come up speaking in tongues, so scared him, he jumped up out of that thing and knocked Mahesh off the, off the, the pastor, knocked him off the thing and knocked him off on the floor. He took off running out in the parking lot because he didn't know what happened to him. And they come and got him. They said, come on back in, you know. And then they explained to him what happened. Listen, man, you, the power of God hit him in baptism, and he realized really what happened on the inside of him came to the outside of him. And I believe that's what happened in the early church. That's why they were so anxious to get them baptized, because they knew there, were pow- there was power. When, when they baptized them, there was power in that, and it's almost just like it just sealed the deal. And whether it's been a day, a week, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, it can still seal the deal for you today. You know, and, and we're doing baptism in, what, two weeks, I think. So if, if you want to be baptized again, man, the only requirement for baptism is that you're born again. That you have a relationship with Jesus. And then, and then man, we'll baptize you and we'll rejoice with you. Amen. And we'll see some incredible things. Amen. So I hope that kind of put, shed new light on baptism. You know, and the power of the way... The way Paul, and really even in Romans 6, I know Paul is describing a lot of salvation. He's talking about what happened in salvation. But, but water baptism is just a, is, is kind of like doing what the, what the symbol was here in Romans 6, what happened on the inside of you. And it's showing everybody that your old man's dead, your new man's born again. Amen. And living for him. Amen. Amen. All right. Real quick. Um, let me do this. Bow your heads with me just for a second. I've just got to obey the Holy Spirit here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, um, the greatest decision you can ever make is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, then I just want to encourage you and, and just give you the opportunity to say, that today would be the perfect day for you to receive Him. There's, you know, we, I mean, I promise you, you have people here that would rejoice with you for, you know, for, for, for a long time, you know, and, and, and we're, we'll be your biggest fan because there's no, nothing greater than giving your life to Jesus. He's my best friend. I don't know where I would be without Him. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I've never given my life to Him I, I want to do that. I want to become a Christian today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I just really felt impressed to, to do this. Anybody at all? Or you might say this. You might say, Pastor, I'm a Christian and I've given my life to the Lord, but you know, uh, I've been letting sin reign. I've been letting sin have, have its way in my life. And today I want to, I want to change that. I've changed the dresses. I'm, not, I'm no longer living in that old house. I'm living in the new house. And just right here, right where you're sitting, you don't have to come forward. You don't have to, you know, we're not making a big deal with every head bowed. Nobody, nobody will even know it. But you just say, Pastor, I just, I, I just want to get my life right today. And I'm, I'm, I'm making it official that I'm, I've, I'm changing addresses. And I'm, I'm no longer going to live out of that old house. I'm living out of the new. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up just anywhere in the house? I want to... I just want to pray for you. I want to rejoice with you. Anybody at all on that? Oh, God loves you so much. He loves us all so much. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Let's just pray. And if, and if that's you, maybe for whatever reason you didn't want to raise your hand, just, you just pour your heart out to God right now and just tell Him. Just tell him that, that you wanna you wanna make your get your life right with him and that, that you know you're that you repent from all the things that you've done and that you're just turning your life around and and uh, living for him. Father, I just pray right now 
for each person here, Lord, as we get ready, even as we get ready to have communion, Lord, I just pray for each person. I pray, Lord, that this message would have stirred them up. Father, I pray that, that it, that, that I got this out like you wanted it, like, like you wanted it to come out, Lord. And Lord, to help us realize the power of salvation, the power of, of identification, even in baptism, Father, and, and that we are no longer servants of sin, but we're servants of righteousness. And Father, we're dead to sin, but alive unto righteousness. So Father, I thank you for that. And I pray your blessings on these next few moments, Lord, as we, as we have communion together, remembering what you did on the cross for us and the power that's in, that's in this ceremony of, of communion as well. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're getting ready to have communion. And here again, don't let this just be something you do. Let's get God involved in this. Jesus said this. He said every time at, at the Lord's Supper, I love, uh, I believe it's in Luke, I believe it is, where, where he's, Jesus made this statement. He said, he said, I've longed to have this meal with you. He said, I've longed. And he said, I have so looked forward to this day. Now, this was the, the night that he was getting ready to die. He knew what, what laid ahead for him. But yet he told his disciples, he said, I, I have longed for this night. Why? Because he knew that he was getting ready to put something in their hands that they could use the rest of their lives to, to, put, to bring power back into what, what, he, what he was getting ready to do. And that was to his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. And he told him this. He said, as often as you do this, he said, do it in remembrance of me. And he broke the bread and he, and he gave them the cup. And, and, and it was symbolic of his body being broken and, and his blood being shed. So what communion is this? Communion is this. It's, it's when, we, when we take these elements, grape juice and the, the cardboard wafers, the, uh, the, you know, we take those and we, we break those wafers and we eat that and, and we drink that grape juice. What that is symbolic of is us saying, Jesus, I remember what you did for me. I remember your body was broken for my sickness and my pain and my, and my sin and, or, and my paying for the price for, for my sin and sickness and, and for my peace and that your blood was shed for the, for the remission of my sins. And every time we do this, we remember that, that all of those things are true. And when we get God involved in this, we realize that, you know what, if you've got sin in your life, if you've got sickness in your life, if you've got disease in your life, it cannot stay there because His body was broken for that. He paid the price for sin and sickness. And if you truly believe that, even as you remember this, as we, as we uh, take communion together, then you know what? That sin and sickness can just flow right out of your life. That sickness and disease. And sin as well. So ushers, come on and we'll, we'll distribute the, the elements. And I just ask that, as you guys go ahead and pass that out, I just ask that you hold on to it until everybody's been served, and then, and then when everyone's served, then we will uh, have communion together. And just for, for a few moments here, as they, as they pass this out, let's just, let's just think about for a moment what Jesus did for us, the price that He paid. If you if you have uh, if you have sickness or um, you know something physically going on with your body, I want you as, as you take this as you take this wafer as you take this bread, and as you hold this and, and as we get ready to to uh, to take this together. But I want you to just think. I want you to, to just in your own mind and in your own heart. I want you to think about how Jesus hung there on the cross that day. And even before he got on the cross, how that those those soldiers beat him, and they 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 whipped him, and his his back and really his whole body became like one one open sore. And he did that to pay for every sin, every sickness, and every disease that that could ever try to attack you. And because of that, because of that, as we remember what He did, we can, we can rightly say, according to His Word, we can rightly say, Jesus, You took that, that punishment for Me. You paid the price for that sickness and for that disease. And because of that, even as, we, even as we remember what You did for us, 
as I remember what you did for me, my body will be healed today. And I'll walk in that healing and I'll walk in the, the, the fullness of what you did for me. And then as the juice is passed out, the juice is symbolic of the blood. And the Bible says that the, the blood covered and washed. It didn't just cover. I, I, I've said that wrong. That the, that the blood washed us clean. It's not just a covering, but He's washed us clean. Meaning that, that, it, that it'll never be brought up again. That's good news. Perry Stone, we went to Israel with Perry, gosh, six years ago, I guess now, and five, six years ago, and Perry made this statement. We were at the, we were at Golgotha, where uh, Jesus was crucified, and and he made this statement. He said, "There's, he said, there's one thing that Jesus physically left on this earth. There's only one thing that he physically left on this earth, and that was his blood." Because his blood was shed, and it ran down, and it, it went into the ground. And, you know, the only, the only thing on this earth physically that Jesus left was His blood. And thank God for that because His blood covers all of us. So as you, as, as you take the cup and as we get ready to, to take this together, I want you to think about and just thank Him that your sin is forgiven. That His, that His blood has washed you clean. Glory to God. Did everyone get served that would like to be served? Did we miss anyone? Make sure everyone has. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. He said this. Verse 23 says that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and He said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So let's give thanks for his body and it being broken. So Father, this, this morning, we thank you that your body was broken for me. Father, I thank you that every sin, every sickness, every disease that, that, can, that can come against me, every sickness and every disease that can come against me, every de- thought of depression, depressing thought, every uh, addiction, Whatever it is that comes against me has no power because you paid the price, Jesus. And right now we remember that. And, and because of that, as we, as we eat this bread, we remember that, that we're receiving everything you did for us symbolically here, Lord. And by faith we say it's mine. So every sickness and every disease is gone in Jesus' name. And we receive that. Thank you for, that your body was broken for me, Jesus. In, your, in Jesus' name, amen. It says in the same manner he also took the cup and he supped saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you that your blood was shed for the, for the remission of my sins. That it washed me clean. And now Lord, we are clean because of your blood. We remember that. We remember your blood was shed. Every drop of it. Lord, one drop was enough, but You shed every drop. And we thank You for that. Thank You for the blood. It washes as white as snow. In Jesus' name, Amen. Take and drink. And by faith now, by faith we walk out of here today. And you might say, well, I don't feel any different. Well, it's not about feelings, it's about faith. 
You walk out of here and you say, I remember everything He did for me. And by faith, I receive it. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm a new person because of what He did for me. And by faith, we receive that. Amen? So I pray that, you're, I pray that you were blessed today. I pray that it encouraged you, stirred you up, maybe made you look at it totally new. If you want to be baptized, sign up back in the back, and we would love, to, love for you to be a part of that. And uh, we got prayer tonight at 6, regular service Wednesday at 7. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a good Labor Day tomorrow. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.